We are continuing in our pre-decide series, Better Choices, Better Life. And we kicked off this series a few, uh, few weeks ago with the thought that when our values are clear, we make better decisions. Do you remember that? And we, we started this series because, you know what, for a lot of us, we're not really good decision makers, right? We get ourselves into trouble with the decisions we make. So we want to learn, all right, where do we get into trouble and how do we back up the train and how do we pre-decide? Jenny, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh my goodness. She lives in Georgia and she's back visiting. It just surprised me. Sorry about that. What? <laughs> um, now, I'm, now I'm throwing off. But this morning we want to talk about a spiritual quality that's got the greatest potential to impact the trajectory of the rest of your year. I would dare say this quality could impact the rest of your life. Right? It's absolutely the key to your spiritual strength. It's the key to your ministry impact, your physical health, and your relational intimacy. Do you want to know what this quality is? Right? First, let me tell you that if, if you could get this quality in your life, you would reach your financial potential. You would accomplish your goals. But before I tell you the quality, I'm going to tell you what it's not. It's not based on, on your looks. It's not based on your background or your education. It doesn't matter if you got a 4-0 or you got a 2-0. The quality that we're talking about today is this quality, consistency. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, man, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but now I'm in trouble. Why? Because you know what? A lot of us are inconsistent, aren't we? It's funny, I was at a soccer game yesterday with my wife, we were watching my grandson play, and we're coming out of the parking lot, and we get to a stop sign, long, long row of cars waiting at the stop sign to go left and right, and I'm just amazed at how long it takes people to go right when there's no one coming. Like, what's the problem here, people? Why are we sitting here delayed? Like, are you texting on your phone, and that's what's the... And I'm like, come on, what's taking so long? And my wife is like, you're so inconsistent. I've seen you come to a full stop. And, I've, and I'm like, there you go, right? So here I am. I'm, I'm in front of you saying I'm inconsistent. My wife recognizes that she called me out for it yesterday. But how many of us would like to be more consistent in eating healthy? Anybody? Yep. How about in exercising? Yep. Keep your hands raised. We're in church, so I want to give you a spiritual question. How many of you would like to be more consistent in your devotion to God, whether reading the Bible or praying? Yeah, we're all going to raise our hands. So when we think about consistency, if we're honest, some of us even struggle with what should be simple, like getting to work on time or even getting to church on time. (gasps) Did I just say that? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to give you the best advice. If you run late, Here's the best advice I can give you. Start your day earlier. And now everybody's throwing tomatoes at me, right? I I know. I've had little kids. I get it. I understand that it's so hard with little ones, right? My wife is going to kick me afterward and say, like she's kicking me under the table. Um, But maybe one thing we can agree on is this. The only thing we're we're really consistent on is our inconsistency, right? But today, we want to change something. I want to let you know you're not alone if you struggle with consistency. The Apostle Paul struggled with inconsistency, and this is what he said in Romans 7. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, right? He he found that same struggle that you and I have. I, I want to do this more, but I find myself doing that more. Now, at the end of Romans 7, he says these words. 
Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's who we're coming to today. Our answer is in Christ. Our answer is in the word of God. Paul certainly did not have a problem-free life, right? He, he had a lot of issues. He was, he was stoned. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. It, it wasn't that, but he learned to find the grace of God, that God's grace is sufficient for him. So I've titled my message this morning, The Power of Consistency, because I think as we, as we go through this pre-decide series, for us to be followers of Jesus, it's learning how to be consistent in walking in our faith. And I, I know that the direction of our life is determined in a lot of ways by the quality of our decisions. We know we got an issue sometimes in decision-making, so we want to back it up. We want to pre, make some pre-decisions this morning about what we're going to do in this area of consistency. So if what we're doing is waiting for a situation in the future to arise and then trying to make a decision right in that moment, you know what? Oftentimes it's too late. That's what's gotten us into trouble. So why does consistency matter? Conventional wisdom would say successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. What do you think of that statement? Does it sound true? Right? Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. So maybe that's our issue. We're doing things occasionally, but we need to be doing them more consistently. And and oftentimes we find that truths that that you might read in a self-help book, they're in the Bible. And that's, you know, God's truth is independent of if you believe in him or not. So we're going to look this morning to someone in the Bible who was very successful, who was very consistent, and we're going to just zero in on what did he do in his life? What made him consistent? What made him successful? Because there's something for us to learn about that. So this morning, we're going to be talking about a man named Daniel. And if you ever went to Sunday school and you learned about Daniel and the lion's den, that's the Daniel I'm talking about, that Daniel. So Daniel starts off his life, he's a noble. He's in the royal family of Judah, right? But his royalty and his nobility comes to an end probably about the age of 12 when his country is besieged and he's taken captive to a foreign land, a foreign king, a foreign god, and now he's put in a three-year leadership program conscripted to be a ward of the state, right? So he doesn't have his parents teaching him about the true God anymore. He's got these people telling him, you got to eat these foods, you got to do this, you got to believe this. And even at 12, he determined in his heart, you know what, I don't want to eat your food. I want to eat vegetables and water. Please, give me, a, give me a moment. Let me show you that this is going to be better. So even at a very young age, he's like, I want to still serve the Lord. By the time he gets really old and multiple kings now have come into power in where he's at, he's still not in his homeland. This is what's said about him. We read in Daniel 6. Does Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Daniel was a hard worker. He was consistent, and consistency is contagious. The king noticed it. He planned to place him over the entire empire. Like, what an honor for this guy that didn't grow up in this land. He's, he's a foreigner, but now he's been living there since 12. And, and some people say he could, he could have been as old as 80 at this point in time. And we read verse 4. It says this. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Come on, Daniel. Like, what a guy. 
This is amazing. But have you ever heard of skeletons in your closet? You know what that term means? Right? That's, that's what a lot of politicians go through when they're running for office and somebody goes back to their high school yearbook or, or some tape when they did this or they, they had too much to drink at a party, whatever it was, and they, and they dig up dirt. And they tried. There was just no dirt to dig up. Daniel had been consistent. I mean, what a life to be consistent your entire life. He is an old man now. And they're trying. They can't find any dirt on him. So this is what they conclude. They got to do something to, to find out. Uh, they they got to they gotta find a way that they're going to trap Daniel. So if, if I read for you in verse 5, it says they concluded the only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So they go for that area of his consistency, and that's where they're going to attack him. So the administrators and the high officers, they go to the king, and they say, long live King Darius. We're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, we think that, king, you should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, should be thrown into a den of lions. And what does the king say? He says, no way, that's a stupid idea. No, he doesn't say that. That's the, that's the, the crazy thing about it. The, sing, the, the king says, yeah, okay, we'll do that. So they, they sign this into law, and it can't be changed. Whatever it is, it's got to last for 30 days. The king cannot go back on it. And this is what Daniel 6.10 says. The, the, the Daniel, now they find him, the rest of the story, they find him praying. And it says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he's always done, giving thanks to God. So Daniel knows. He's, he's in the upper echelon of the kingdom. He knows about this law. The first thing he does when he hears that the law is signed, that very day, he goes home. Okay, I'm going to keep praying. Would we do that? Right? Just, a, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we called for a time of prayer for Israel. I don't know if you remember it. It was on a Friday. And that Thursday, the, the former leader of Hamas called for an international day of jihad on that Friday when we're gathering. And I'm thinking to myself, is this a smart thing to do, like have a gathering or prayer when there's an international day of jihad? And, and these people are like, they don't believe like us. Is this wise? I'm like, yeah, you know what? It is wise. Like, this is what we've got to do. We, we, need, we need to be diligent in prayer. So we take those thoughts captive whenever there's a fear. David, I mean, Daniel didn't listen to, oh my gosh, now I got to pray in secret. No, I'm going to keep doing what I got to do and I'm going to trust the Lord. So he goes to pray and they come, they arrest him because they they know that he's going to be praying because he's that consistent. They arrest him, they put him into the lion's den. The king was not happy about throwing him into the lion's den, but he was backed into a corner. This was a law that he could not not, uh, turn turn against it. It was a 30-day law. But before Daniel gets lowered into the lion's den, the king says this to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And down into the lion's den, he goes. Right? So even the king could see Daniel's consistency. He could see his faith. He didn't want to do it, but he did it. They they put him in the lion's den. So early the next morning, the king goes to see how did Daniel fare. And the king says this, when he gets there, he calls out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answers, long live the king. 
My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. What? A, yeah, amen. Give God the glory. Like, Daniel, what an example. What a role model. Like, this guy, this earth is not his home. He's looking towards heaven. He doesn't care what's going on on this earth. I'm going to worship Jesus and Jesus alone, and I'm going to put my life in his hands. So here's my question. When did Daniel learn to trust God? Right? This is where we get to the pre-decide portion of this, right? Did he learn to trust God when that decree came out? Like, you know what? I still got to pray. Did he learn to trust God when he was in the lion's den? Or did he learn to trust God when he was really young and he'd been praying day after day, week after week, year after year? Like, it's the latter, He learned to trust God a long time ago, and it was a really easy decision for him to make when this this, uh, decree came out. Like, wait a minute, I don't change who I am because what around me is changing. I know where I'm grounded. He was anchored in his faith, and we need to be anchored in our faith. And part about being anchored is is making these decisions. I know the God whom I I serve, and when this comes against me, you know, it's not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change my belief just because this is going on or that's going on. So why is it that Daniel could be so consistent in his relationship with God and we're so inconsistent sometimes in our relationship with God, right? This is what I would like to say. It's not what we do occasionally that makes a difference. It's what we do consistently, right? So, so Daniel, there was something about he prayed every day, day after day, week after week, year after year. I pray once a week, twice a week, maybe three times a week. If it's a good week, I'm... But you know what? What I do occasionally doesn't really matter. It's what I do consistently. God, help me to be a person of prayer. Amen. Isn't that what we want? Help me to be a person that's, that's coming to you every day, devoted to you. So when the situations arise, it's not, ah, what am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. Like, I've been preparing for this all my life. Is Bill Gibbons here this morning? No, he's not. Um, Bill Gibbons got a brain aneurysm a couple of years ago. And, and it, it, it could rock anybody when he's got this issue in his brain. And all the nurses are like, Bill, are you okay? And his comment to them was, I've been preparing for a day like this all my life. And he just goes in to tell them about Jesus. And like, nurses are getting saved. And, and people that are attending on him are getting saved because he wasn't rocked by it. Right? What happens when we get into situations? Are we going to be like Daniel? It's not what we do occasionally that's going to make a difference in our life. It's what we do consistently that makes a difference. So now I want to look at three things that Daniel did. And we're going to take a, we're going to take a lesson out of his playbook. So what's his game plan? How did he become consistent? I want to start with the why. And by the way, if you are coming to Growth Track today, Growth Track Discover, right after service downstairs starting about 11... This why, you're going to see an amazing video on why. Um, so, so please come. If, if you weren't planning on it, you can still join us today. Grow track downstairs. So we start with the why. Why did Daniel pray consistently? Was it because he's like, hey, I want everybody to see me, and I want everybody to know that I'm a believer in this foreign land? No, I don't think he, he needed any public adulation. So why did he pray privately three days? Because he was devoted to God. God was his number one. And he had pre-decided there's nothing more important than serving my God. He was going to connect with God morning, noon, and night. And it was born out of devotion. Why do you think so many of us, when we have a New Year's resolution, 
that, that, that we don't feel, fulfill it, right? A lot of our New Year's resolutions, they're born out of desire. They're not born out of devotion. Do you understand the difference, right? A desire is, hey, I'm going to start a new diet January 1st, but between now and January 1st, I'm going to eat anything I want to eat because my diet starts on January 1st. That sounds great, but man, you're not going to last more than a week because there's no devotion behind it. You can, you can have a desire and not have a devotion. Now, if someone says, if you don't lose weight, you're going to die. All of a sudden, you get really serious. I'm not waiting until January 1st. I'm starting today. I'm going to start today on a different diet because my life depends on it. That's devotion. See the difference? Right? Desire, yeah, manana. I can get to it manana. It's a good thing. Devotion, no, it's important. I know I got to do it today. Here's some other examples about our why. Maybe we have a why we're Christians, right? In, in this room, maybe many of us, we want to be closer to God. That's the Christian thing, right, to say that. If that's your why, how are you doing? And I think a lot of us would say, you know what, I struggle in this consistency. Well, when your why moves from desire to devotion, maybe it sounds like this. You know what, I'm sick and tired of the devil running a Mack truck through my life. I've got no peace. I've got no joy. I don't have an anchor. I need Jesus in my life. I'm done playing games. God, I'm giving you everything. Now I got a why. I got a devotion why, not a desire why, right? Maybe you want a better marriage. Why? Yeah, because I don't want the fighting and the bickering at home. You know what? That's an okay why, but it may just be a desire. A devotion why could be this. I want a godly marriage because I know there's a calling on my life, and I want to fulfill that calling, and I want to see generations impacted by my marriage, Right now, you're pursuing something greater than yourself. That's a why. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about why power. Daniel understood what his why was. Right? Financial stability. Maybe, maybe some of us, we're not financially stable, and we want to be financially stable. But if your why is so that you can go on vacation, or you can buy that purse or that new car, that's a desire. That's not really a devotion. Right? A devotion would be, you know what? I can't keep living paycheck to paycheck. I have to, be, I have to find this place of stability. Like, I need this in my life. God, I'm coming to you. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to be radical in how I'm, I'm being generous to others. I'm going to start even when I don't have a lot so that I can be generous when I have a lot. If Daniel's why was a desire, he would have stopped praying when the order came out. But because he was desperate for God, he continued to pray even though there were consequences. That's the why. It all starts with a why. Next thing, what did Daniel do? He planned to fail. Now, I know you're thinking, wait a minute. How did he plan to fail? He didn't plan to fail. This might be counterintuitive, but I think it's super important for us to get a hold of this concept. See, a lot of us, we have this idea that Daniel prayed three times a day and he never missed a daily prayer time. Anybody think Daniel ever missed? Guys, he wasn't perfect. He was human. Of course he missed. Like, of course, there were those days where the king said, Daniel, I need you to work late. You got to work through lunch or you got a business trip or something happened, right? I am sure he was human just like you and I are human. He, He still had flesh. He wasn't perfect. So if Daniel could miss a day, he knew that wasn't going to rock his boat, right? He, he knew if I, miss it, if I miss a morning time, I'm going to hit it at lunchtime. I miss a lunchtime, I'm going to hit it at dinner, right? So many of us are inconsistent because we have an all or nothing mindset. 
It's like, you know what, I'm going to decide to do this. Oh, I cheated on my diet. Forget the whole thing. Like, if I had the cookie, I might as well have a bowl of ice cream too, right? It's great. And then tomorrow, yeah, I'm done with this thing. It's just not working for me. It's all or nothing for us. Daniel planned to fail. He was still consistent. Even if he missed a day, he's going to pick it right up. If he missed a time, he's going to keep coming back, right? Sometimes when we have that all or nothing mindset, we mess up. And instead of getting up, we listen to the enemy. And the enemy goes, you're a loser. Like, I knew you couldn't do it. You don't have any willpower. Like, just God doesn't want to talk to you right now. You made a promise to God, and you didn't fulfill your promise. Like, just, just go. And you know what? When the enemy comes in like that, he's pressing our buttons because he knows exactly where we're weak. And that's why he comes, to press those buttons. Don't have an all-or-nothing mindset, right? To be consistent is to plan to fail. Maybe you want to stop smoking, and in a moment of weakness, you cheat, and you have a cigarette, or you want to, start cur- you want to stop cursing, and then you slip. If you give up, that's the all-or-nothing mindset. It's like, no, I'm going to, if I mess up, I'm going to get up, because this is what we learned in 1 John 1.9. If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. But if you have sin, you do what? You confess it to the Lord, you ask forgiveness for it, and God's going to cleanse you. So you mess up, you go right back to God, you get up on your feet. That's what it means to plan to fail. I'm not going to stay down. I'm just going to keep getting up with God's help, with God's strength. I'm going to get up. Sometimes planning to fail can mean we also need to change strategy, right? Have you, you know the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If, if it's not working, change strategy. We have different seasons of our life. This spring and summer, my son and his family of six were living in our house. And I'm used to a really quiet house, right? Meg and I and David, it's, it's quiet in the morning. I can have my quiet time, drink my coffee. It's wonderful. Now I'm getting up and there's already kids at the table and there's this happening and that happening. I'm like, it is busy. It is noisy. And I'm trying to go get alone. Pop, would you read me a book? Pop, would you play with me? I'm like, oh my gosh. I didn't have, I didn't have a time with the Lord for days. I'm like, what am I doing right now? I'm Mr. Steady Eddie. I've been consistent for 16 years, and now these four little kids are, are throwing me off my game. So here's what I did. I changed my routine. Instead of trying to stay home, I left home really early. I had breakfast with them all, and then at 7.30, I'm up here for some peace and quiet so I can get before God, right? It's, it's okay. If your season changes, change your strategy. That's how you can be consistent. So that's planning to fail. Lastly is this, fall in love with the process. So what does that mean? Right, a lot of us, we fall in love with an outcome. I've told you, I'm a results-oriented guy. I love outcomes. I'm learning, no, I gotta fall in love with the process. Because sometimes we're driving for an outcome, we miss the outcome, and we give up too. And God says, no, don't, don't. It's not about the outcome. It's about the process. See, God is, we, we pray for things and we're so concerned. God, are you going to answer my prayer with a yes? That when he delays or he answers it with a no, our outcome is missed. Well, God, are you really even real? Like you didn't even answer my prayer. He did. It was just with a no or with a wait a while. Like that's his prerogative. He can say that to us, right? It's not every prayer we pray has to be a yes. We can have an illusion of perfection that can either keep us from getting started or we can have that all or nothing mindset. But guys, we're not striving for perfection. 
We're, we're not, we don't have to be perfect. Jesus doesn't come. Some of us think, you know what, this God thing, you talk about God, you talk about relationship with God, it sounds good. I kind of want it, but I could never do what you're doing. Like, I, I, can't, I can't be good. Like, I sinned last night. I sinned today on a day, you know, this morning, coming to church. How can I follow Jesus? Jesus isn't looking for you to clean yourself up before you come to him. He says, come to me just as you are. He loves you with an unconditional, unfailing love. When you mess up, he wants you to get up, and he gives you the strength to get up, and he's there to pick your hand and lift you up. Not about if we mess up, it's about what do we do in the middle of it? Do we go back to him, or do we just walk away from him? Don't let this idea of perfection stop you from starting a walk with Jesus. Don't let this idea of perfection stop you from getting up. Because the truth is, we're all sinners. And that's a good thing, because Jesus came to save sinners, right? He didn't come to heal the healthy. He came to heal the sick. So God doesn't expect us to have this all or nothing mentality. If we fail, we're going to give up. No, Daniel didn't pray because it was an obligation. He didn't pray because it was a duty. He prayed because he was in love with, with his God. He had an intimacy with his God that he's like, hey, if I had to miss because of lunch, Chris, would you come up here and start to play? If I had to miss because I had a lunch date and I couldn't make it home, I'm going to pray at dinner. He fell in love with the process of of getting to be more intimate with his Savior and with his King. And as we fall in love with Jesus, we're going to be more consistent because we honor God by pre-deciding this is what I'm going to do. And falling in love with the process isn't that we're never going to fail, but it's when we fail, we get up. And the win is we got up. The win isn't the outcome, that we're perfect. The win is we failed and we got up. And we went back to God and we're moving forward again in the same path. It's many small steps in the right direction is success. It's not that we got to start taking huge leaps. Just keep taking small steps. If you trip, don't turn around, don't give up. Keep going in the same direction. So now I want to ask us this question as we close. Is there an area that you can be more consistent in your life? And I'm not asking, I I know we can all be more consistent, right? I can be more consistent stopping at stop signs. I'm not not talking about that. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, But the question is, God, what's priority for you in my life that I need to pre-decide today? I'm going to do some things differently. So when I get in the midst of, what am I going to do? I already know what I'm going to do. Right? I, I already know that what my why is. I already know I'm going to plan to fail. I already know I'm going to fall in love with the process. What is that one area? Because we all could come up with a gazillion areas. But what's the one area that God is asking you, hey, this is the one. I want you to come to me with this one. Would you just, let's just take a moment and ask God that question. What's that area, God, that we can grow in consistency? Thank you, Jesus. And as we think of that that question or or that area, I want to ask you, what's your why? If you feel like your why has been a desire, and and that's the reason why you haven't been consistent, then ask God, God, how do I turn my desire into a devotion? Right? Maybe we're doing the Christian thing, 
but we really need to make a decision that Jesus isn't, isn't just an important person in our life. He's everything in our life. Right? So if we've had the desire, Jesus, I want, I want you in my life, maybe the devotion is, Jesus, I can't live without you in my life. Maybe we want to build more consistent habits or be better in making good decisions. What's our why? Is it just so we can have an outcome? Right? Asking Jesus to make our life better, that really isn't scriptural, right? He didn't come to make our life better. He came to forgive us of our sins and to change our residence from this earth to heaven, right? He begins a work in our life that's glorious, but it can be hard. God, I'm not asking you for a problem-free life, Lord. I'm asking you walk with me in green pasture and walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. God, that I know that you're there. That's a why. If it's not the why, if you have a why, then is planning to fail tripping you up? Are you believing the enemy's lies that you failed and that now you're believing you're a failure and you give up? Being consistent isn't about an all or nothing. Plan to fail, mess up, get up. Being consistent is, is getting up and taking another step in the right direction. Even when we're the prodigal son or prodigal daughter, God is there. He's looking for us. He's waiting for us to come home. Come home today. When we have goals in our lives, fall in love with the process means our win isn't achieving the goal. Our win is just showing back up because God's mercy is new for us each day. God, I thank you that you have come to redeem imperfect people. We're imperfect. So, so what is the area of life that you're asking to be more consistent in? Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? I want you, if you're comfortable, would you raise your hands to God because I, I want us to give him these areas and we're gonna ask him for his help. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here. God, you've been speaking to us. And Lord, we surrender to you this morning, Father. Lord, we don't want you to just be one thing in our life. We want you to be everything, God. We give you all that we are. Jesus, we're sorry for playing games. We're sorry for giving up when the going gets tough. Lord, we want to be more consistent. So God, today, with your help, we're pre-deciding, Lord. We're pre-deciding that we want to be men and women after your own heart. With a single eye, with a single focus, we're looking at you today, God. So, Lord, I pray you help each one of us, God. We, we give you these areas, God, where we're looking to you for help, Lord. If we need to change our strategy, show us. What does that change look like? If our seasons have changed and, and things are different, Lord, let us adjust. But we want to put you first, God. We want to honor you. We want to glorify your name. And, Lord, I pray that we would be lights for you this week in a different way, Lord. Because of our consistency, other people would take notice. So I thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Have a great day. We'll see you grow track downstairs. to give this to you. <laughs> you gotta have...